0: Welcome everybody to the SB Nation live conference finals preview, reaction finals preview as now it looks like the Heat and the Warriors look like they're just going to roll everybody because great. Uh, I'm going to be joined here in a second by Jazz Kang. He's going to help uh, guide me through this conversation over the course of this thing. We're going to be talking to uh, folks from the various teams who are all still participating. Jazz, are are you ready for the next chapter of the Warriors' dynasty? Because because I am certainly not.
1: Uh, you know what? After watching that game yesterday, I just think they play, they play beautiful basketball to watch. I know you're upset that the Lakers aren't here, Anthony, but that's not anybody's problem that they try to run their franchise like it's still 2018 or 2017, whatever they were doing this year. But uh, for me, I just want to see some great basketball. Obviously, the team that I cover, the Sixers, are out. So that's what I'm hoping to see over over the next month or so here as we get towards the uh, end of the NBA Finals.
0: Yeah, the, the Warriors play, when when the Warriors are at their best, it just feels so overwhelming. It's the same thing, just like <laughs> play after play after play. It's, it's some kind of ignition sequence, it's a kick out to somebody on the wing, and then it's a wide open shooter in the corner, and it's just that over and over and over again. And... Uh, When they're hitting, there's just not much you can do about it. And then defensively, when they're ready to go right from the get-go as they were yesterday, it just, you know, Dallas did a really good job, I thought, to get back into the game after the initial wave. And then another wave. And then another wave. And then another wave. And I was really surprised to see the Warriors, you know, that kind of interested in the game right from the beginning of a series, because, I don't know, Aaron, we're going to bring you on here in a second. You can speak more to this. But one of the things that I kind of identify the Warriors with, because they can be so overwhelming, is it's really easy for them to kind of check out and and try to uh, cut corners and turn the ball over kind of sloppily. But even though we saw some of that, I was really surprised by how ignited they were right from the beginning of that at that game Aaron were you surprised by that yes
2: um <laughs> I've watched the Warriors a long time and the Warriors have had a tendency to play with their food um and the way that that manifests itself often is very sloppy turnovers um I was also worried about the Warriors over helping um and giving up open threes corner threes specifically and they did and Dallas just couldn't make any of them. So yes, I was surprised. I think that the dialogue and the narrative that was built um, in between yesterday's game one and game seven of the uh, Dallas and Phoenix series helped the Warriors. Yeah, I I thought that it might that the Warriors might fare better against Phoenix because Phoenix had won so many games and Phoenix had been to the finals uh, last season that the Warriors would take them more seriously than Dallas. But everybody picking Dallas to win, all of this buildup, how are the Warriors going to guard Luka? They have no chance, right? Um, Bill Simmons picking, like, the Warriors are going to get swept, and everybody on all the the talking head shows talking about the Warriors being in trouble, I think maybe got the Warriors' attention. Combined with, look, I, I think Dallas, the shot diet Dallas got specifically in the first half i don't think the warriors guarded that well in the first half the shot diet that dallas got in the first half was better than the warriors they just didn't make anything yeah um but yes i was surprised how focused and intentional the warriors looked to to begin the yeah, game the, the
0: i saw somebody make this point on twitter and i apologize for not crediting it i'm I'm going full ESPN here but you know the fact that there was such a quick turnaround um after a game seven after a long series there now my one retort to it being an outright schedule loss is that like Luca did barely had to play in the second half of that game seven game so it was like a, it was a two day turnaround but they really in the play had had to play half of that game because Phoenix completely packed it in um, do you think are you expecting more from Dallas here in this one i was the other thing too that i'm really you mean you mean in the series or in game 2 game 2, two? no <laughs> I'm not well so no 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 but here's the thing
2: like I think specifically before the game got out of hand I think Dallas was fine they just didn't make anything so I don't think am I expecting more from Luka yeah Luka's too good to you know like get locked up by by Andrew Wiggins I think the Warriors have a lot of good options on Luka I thought that like who's going to guard Luka stuff was nonsense nobody can really guard Luka but the Warriors have as good of a collection of options as you can have so do I expect Luka to play better yes do i expect more from dallas not really because i think dallas was fine in the part before it got out of hand they just didn't make anything so i expect dallas's shooters to shoot a little better is that going to be enough to beat the warriors that's a different conversation but i don't expect much different from dallas but i do expect them to make more jump i think i think because though they were like three of 19 on on really good wide open shots with good shooters yeah
0: and that that can sometimes be attributed to a legs thing. I also think it was. It, it's just, it was a lot. I think. I think looking at the Warriors and playing against the Warriors and the, all of the things that they threw at them defensively, which is another thing that really kind of surprised me too, was how many different looks that they were ready to go with in Game One. Usually, you see that like that trickle down over the course of the series, where uh, you don't want to give them too many looks that they can now have on film and adjust to and all of that. But I, I I the other hand on the other hand of that though, having so many looks does keep your defense a little bit more invested over the course of the game so that they don't feel like they're just throwing the same pitch over and over and over and over again. Jazz, do you think do do you think this series is over? Cause I walked away from that man and and it just reminded me way too much of of the Warrior series that like you know, you're hoping game one can be kind of close. It isn't. And you're saying, Oh, all right, we're, we're doing this again.
1: No, I, I said this before, even before the Mavs were taking on the Suns. I'm like, Luca's going to win them two or three games. Obviously I I didn't expect what to happen in game seven, the way it went down, but I'm in a position too, where I think the Warriors are just better, right? Like, I mean, anybody can see that all the people who were taking Dallas leading up to this series over those couple of days. I'm like, y'all are crazy because to me, watching the Warriors play, um, just how good they look. And, and you remember the beginning of the season, they were—they looked unbeatable. And then, of course, they went through some injuries. They had some some down periods there where Phoenix started catching up in the standings. And then they kind of became this afterthought for a few months during the year. And I think coming into the playoffs, the Warriors were at 9.5 to 1 to win the championship. So, to me, I do think this series is over. I think Luka is going to win maybe a game – or not maybe, he'll win a game or two just on his own with – 35 40 points and and you know 15 assists 10 rebounds but to me the the Mavericks don't have the high-end depth that's obvious that the dubs do with Curry with Clay with Draymond Green with with Jordan Poole playing where he's at Andrew Wiggins was obviously very good last night but to me the Mavericks are still one player away from being a team that that's going to be an, an elite contender year after year they obviously have Luka Who's one of the, if not the best in the league? So, but to me, they just don't have that high end talent. So, I, I think the Warriors are going to eventually wrap this series up in five or six.
2: Yes, the, ser- the series is over. Mm. Um, but I do think that the Mavs will look better as the series progresses, because the Warriors, the Warriors' offense, it's kind of like college football, right? Like the 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 uh, you know Nebraska or whoever used to run the option all the time. Some of the service academies run the option still and when you get there you can't like you can't practice for it you can't you can't simulate it and each series is different so there you're used to playing one way and then there's the shock of wait this is different we're not ready for this so i think the i think the mavs defensively will adjust some and look better during the series but jazz made made the correct point the mavs don't have enough guys yeah i think i think they will play better i think they will win a game or two they're not beating the warriors the warriors are just better and the Warriors have more options. If Luca doesn't have it going, who are the Mavs going to? Like Brunson's fine, Dinwiddie every once in a while, right? And there's a few guys: Dorian Finney-Smith and Bullock and and Kleba can eat off of off of off of Luca. But the, they don't. They just don't have enough guys, right? If it's not Steph, Steph and Clay were both. Uh, Clay was awful in the first half. Steph was bad in the first half. In the second half, you know they were both better. But the Warriors just have too many options, as Jazz mentioned. The Warriors have too, just have too many guys. The Mavs, the Mavs cannot hang with them. It's all yes. The series is over. The Mavs aren't getting swept. Luca's too good. The Mavs are too good. But yes, the series it, is over. I know
0: this, this is, is kind of reductive good. in all this, but I, I just think it's really hard to play a thin rotation in the in, from the get go in in the postseason. But then especially against the Warriors when your approach defensively is read, recover, get back, you know, help, recover and you're doing a lot less switching. I just I and I don't know that that that's the kind of thing that Dallas can just go out and start doing on the fly is is just kind of completely rethink the way that they play defensively. And when you're when you're helping and you're recovering, that gives gaps and in those gaps that that allows for you know, the, the Warriors ball movement to just kind of rip you apart. And that's that like it's just it's a tough matchup given the way that Dallas likes to defend, even at their best. Um, I want to bring I actually want to bring Wes uh, I- into this. He's representing the heat here. Um, and Wes, like, I'm, I'm curious. You watched that that Warriors game and Adam, I'm eventually going to go to you here, too. Uh, You watch that Warriors game and and you know how Dallas likes to defend Miami, I think, implements a defense that's a a, a little bit more capable of especially athletically of of trying to hamper down some of Golden State's shooting and and ball movement and all of that. Um, Did you watch that game and walk away from it saying the, the, the heat can can hang with that Warriors team playing that way?
3: Well, yes, um, I watched the game, and I've actually kind of been workshopping this take for a little bit. Uh, but I, I think that the best two teams left in in, in these playoffs are both in the Eastern Conference. Um, I just wow, fast biased like over here. This... How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I pushed back. I'll push back a little bit on this whole idea that this Maverick, like the Mavericks, are toast okay. here. Um, we, uh, I. We keep kind of talking about the Warriors' depth. Um, I, I don't know that they're that much deeper than – I think they are deeper, but I don't know that they're that much deeper than Dallas. And I still think that there's uh, an avenue for Luka to dominate this series. That you actually look at like the, the shot quality that the Mavericks got against the Warriors. They actually had a better shot quality than the Warriors did. The Warriors just came out with energy, making a bunch of shots. Dallas missed a bunch of shots. And I know – like this this series could flip. Like, Luka can dominate and win this series. Like, I don't think that the Warriors are such a juggernaut defensively. I I, I don't think that they're very good defensively uh, over the course of, like, a seven-game series. I think you could punch some holes in them. I'd still pick the Warriors to win this series. I still expect the Warriors to win the series, but I'm not, like, fully on, okay, I saw one game. The Mavericks are done. Like, there's a, a lot of counters that the Mavericks can have. They could shoot better, number one. Um, defensively, they have shown to make adjustments over the course of a series. I actually like what Jason Kidd's done with them on that end. So I'm not like ready to just write them off completely, but um, I I think that Miami and Boston are better than both of those teams. I just think that both of those teams are so much better defensively. They both have those sort of old school, like wing stars, whether it's Tatum or Jimmy Butler, who are just going to find mismatches and attack. And I think in golden state and in Dallas, like they both have weaknesses that you could just sort of poke at um, over the course of a series. So, yeah, it's been interesting. Kind of, it's going to be interesting watching this series. Um, just kind of with the with the idea that possibly the Heat could play one of these two teams in mind, but um, I think Miami or Boston could beat both of them.
1: Wes, looking at looking at that Eastern Conference series, and and for people who aren't familiar, used to cover uh, the Warriors before before going back home to Miami. Now looking right. at at what the Heat have been doing this entire playoff run, right? Their average margin of victory over sixteen points. They're just they're killing anybody that they're they're going up against. But ha-
2: haven't lost a home game yet, right?
1: Haven't lo- Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, right. and if you're, look, you're looking at this, West, from, from your perspective, the Celtics obviously from Christmas on were, were amazing. They were awesome mm-hmm. to watch, a great turnaround. But you look at that, that two day gap, too, that they only had between game seven, whereas the, the Heat have only played one game in the last week. Now we know Al Horford going to be back in the lineup tonight. Marcus Smart listed as probable at last check. So they're getting those two guys back. And Horford has been great, shooting the, over 45% from deep averaging 13 points in the playoffs. When when you're looking at these two series now, do you expect anything to go differently in game two? Obviously that ugly third quarter, probably not going to happen again, but what are you expecting to happen tonight from a heat perspective, even getting Horford and smart back for, for the Celtics?
3: Yeah, it's kind of funny how both of the first games in the conference finals, like mirrored each other. You just had like one team just blowing the other one out in the third quarter. And that's basically the entire game. But um, I, I I think both of these teams bounce back in game two. It wouldn't shock me if Boston won tonight, they're going to, You know, Jimmy Butler just (laughs) attacked Peyton Pritchard. Like, it was just so mean. It was was the only (laughs) word I could think of. It was just so, it was just mean. And and I think Jimmy Butler knew it was mean, and it made him do it more, because that's his personality. Um, And, look, they're going to have Marcus Smart back, but sort of an underrated thing was that Derek White is going to be out for personal reasons. So you're going to have Smart basically replacing Derek White, who replaced Marcus Smart in Game 1 in the starting lineup. But you're still going to have a like, healthy dose of Peyton Pritchard. They're still going to need 25 to 30 minutes of Peyton Pritchard, and that's 25 to 30 minutes of Jimmy Butler picking on Peyton Pritchard. So I'd expect to see that again in Game 2, although the presence of Marcus Smart, obviously Al Horford being there, was going to be important. But I actually thought Robert Williams did a really nice job stepping in uh, into the starting lineup in place of Al Horford when he was out. And I know that Horford is really important to Boston, but I actually really liked you know, the physicality that Robert Williams brought, which I think is going to be needed. So I actually don't know who's going to be better for the Celtics in this series between Robert Williams and Al Horford. Um, But at the end of the day, like, the Celtics are going to just have more options. They're going to be more, you know, they're not going to have to play Aaron Neesmith, you know, 20-plus minutes off the bench, which was a complete disaster for them. Like, um, So, yeah, I expect to bounce back. I expect Tatum to bounce back and not have, you know, two points in the entire second half again. Um, But I also think what the Heat showed in Game 1 was that this isn't, like, like Celtics Bucks was not the NBA Finals. It was not the Eastern Conference Finals. Like the Heat are very much here and and have a have a real chance to to beat the Celtics.
0: Wes, don't think I'm gonna let you forget about those two teams being in the East. I want to come back to that here in a bit. But Adam, I gotta talk to you about. So PJ Tucker said after getting hurt in Game One, going back to the locker room and being available for ga- or for the second half of Game One, that they have a genie. Um, I believe that was in response to, Wes, your question, if I remember correctly. Um, so so the Heat have their genie in there. And then apparently Al Horford has access to a genie of his own um, going into uh, COVID protocols and then now being available in the very next game. Adam, can you just explain what went on there with Al and, and why he was available or why he wasn't available for game one, somehow tested out of the protocols, and, and is now available here for game two?
4: Uh, that's the biggest question in the entire Celtics world right now is what the hell happened. Um, I think from what I gather, there was a either a close contact, and then he tested and most likely had a false positive, or he tested positive and he's tested out of it since then. So... Because Brian windhorse Brian reported yesterday that there was multiple members of the Celtics traveling team. So I'm assuming coaches mm-hmm. and training staff that had all been diagnosed as um, positive with COVID. So I don't know whether Hawford had been um, in close contact with them. Or maybe they tested the entire team and Hawford just came up with a positive. But having him back is going to be huge. Um, I think that the best thing, the main thing to think of here is... Going back to that double big lineup now, having Robert Williams in that free safety role, guarding the, guarding the weak side corner, and then being free to roam and challenge, that's going to do a lot. Especially if that double big lineup's there when Peyton Pritchard's on the floor and Jimmy Butler goes full bully mode, there's going to be somebody rotating over with genuine shot blocking ability to kind of you know deter the shot or be able to swap that away. But the genie the genie aspect of it, I want to know who it is because I'd like the lottery numbers.
0: <laughs> so the way the way I kind of describe Al Horford coming back especially in this series is look it I just picture the Miami Heat and the Boston Celtics lined up at each other's at, at their own baseline just firing rocks at each other and Al Horford seems like he could throw a pretty damn good rock so just having another rock thrower there seems beneficial for for Boston just because this it's just and 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 you know I to Wes's point about the East versus West aspect of this, here, you're looking at, you know, kind of the Eastern Conference bully ball style uh, versus the Western Conference more kind of finesse, ball movement, hitting from the outside stuff. And it'll be great to see those styles make fights here. Uh, but when it comes to Aaron, I want to go back to you on this one here, um, and you get to re- respond to Wes's point about the notion that both of the, the the two best teams here are playing in that Eastern conference finals. Do you, do you worry at all about that physicality coming from the East going up against a relatively, a, a, an actually pretty small warriors team?
2: Uh, <laughs> so I said, I said like before the playoffs started, I thought the three teams that could win the title, um, the warriors the celtics and and the bucks and then obviously the bucks and celtics played each other i thought the bucks were going to beat the celtics um so i before all of the the marcus smart and then the al horford genie stuff which is weird because uh I, i i don't think it was a close contact i think he had a positive test i think chris haynes said he had a positive test so whatever mojo whatever magic they got to get him back on good for them um But yeah, I think, I think that the physicality, I don't even think it's so much of an East versus West thing, but I think the physicality of those two teams for the Warriors um, should be, should be scary. I, I think that the problem for Miami is that they are going to, especially with, with Lowry, who knows what's happening there, but especially with Lowry hurt or diminished or not available They are going to rely on... So, like, the thing with the Celtics is there aren't many places you can pick on. There aren't many places to attack defensively. With Miami, in their starting lineup, Gabe Vincent, mm, a little bit. Struess is okay. But they are going to be so reliant on not so much Duncan Robinson, but Tyler Hero specifically... Uh, for half-court offense if they can't get out in transition. They're going to be so reliant on Tyler Hero to create offense in the half-court, and he is such a disaster defensively giving up straight-line drives that I think that is the kind of like soft underbelly for the Heat. But the Heat are are damn good. I don't think the Heat offensively can keep up with the Warriors, but yeah, I, I, I think it's like, I have underestimated the Heat for that specific reason for quite some time. And I still think now that everybody's healthy, I still think the Celtics are probably gonna win the series. But the Heat have proven over the last few years, and Spolster is a fantastic elite coach, a fantastic elite defensive coach. I think the Warriors or theoretically the Mavs should both be concerned about the Heat. I do expect I do expect the Celtics to win the series, but I think that toughness from and and as Wes was talking about, the predatory nature of, of Jimmy Butler if he were to get in a series against the Warriors, figuring out ways to try to get that matchup and attack Steph and attack Jordan Poole specifically, I I think it should be a concern. I think the Celtics are going to win the series. Um, And I I thought the Celtics were going to win the series in in six games previously. Then when everybody got hurt and it looked like, or when Marcus Smart was hurt and when Horford seemed like he was going to be out longer than he has been out, I switch that pick to the heat just because I don't think the Celtics have enough without those two guys. But if both of them are back tonight for game two, I would switch it back to, I think the Celtics are going to win the series, but I think it's fair to be concerned about the the defensive intensity and the predatory nature of of Jimmy Butler. I just don't think that the, I don't think the heat have enough offensively to hold up against the Warriors. I think people are kind of underestimating how good the Warriors defense actually is and has been. It was number one in the league until Draymond got hurt. So, But, yeah, I, I, think, I think the Heat do pose some challenges. I just don't think they're going to beat the Celtics anymore.
1: Hey, Wes, from, from a Heat perspective now, you know, obviously everything in that second half went, went completely right, uh, especially that third quarter where they held the Celtics to, to 2 of 15 shooting. But from a Miami's perspective, Wes, what are you trying to guard against and try to make sure it doesn't happen to give the Celtics some momentum going back
3: to Boston for game three? Can I make just two points of information uh, before I answer course, that question? Because we've, yeah. we've been trying to figure out the Al Horford thing. This is from Gary Washburn from the Boston Globe. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but um, I'll just read his tweet. Horford benefited mm-hmm. from new COVID-19 protocol added on April 30th, allowing players who test negative twice on a game day to play. Horford likely tested negative after shootaround, then upgraded to questionable, and then again this afternoon, making him eligible to play. So there's that. Um, I don't know if that answers it, but it kind of feels like it does. Uh, and then uh, in terms of, like, the Kyle Lowry thing, I, I I agree with Aaron. Like, the Heat need Kyle Lowry. If they don't get him back at something close to 100%, I, I don't think that they can win the finals or maybe even the Eastern Conference finals because he's just so important to what they do. And I think, you know, when you're talking about the Celtics series, despite the blowout nature of Game 1, um, you know, to answer the question, like, we know the Celtics are going to play better, right? Like we saw this against Milwaukee that they were just out physicaled in game one against the bucks. You literally just had Giannis shoving Jason Tatum out of the way and being like, I'm going to score now. And then everybody was like, Oh my God, this is it. The Celtics are done. They can't match up with the physicality of Milwaukee. The the heat are, they don't have like the one man wrecking crew that Giannis is. But I think as a team, they're much more physical than
0: Milwaukee. Um, I mean, Kyle Lowry kind of looks like a wrecking ball.
3: He mm-hmm. is very similar in silhouette. It's, <laughs> yeah. Similar in silhouette. It's
2: so good. Uh. Yeah, Kyle Lowry in Miami. Of course, he's in Miami. He got that BBL. He's in Miami, of course. <laughs> um,
0: yeah,
2: I, yeah. Go
0: ahead. Uh, I forgot what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the physicality uh, oh, yeah. in, in Boston being able to adjust they to will. it against Milwaukee
3: and then now having to do it again. They will. Like, they, they did it once, they'll do it again. It's just a different kind. of Like, it's across-the-board physicality in Miami. But, like the, like, the Celtics are just really good, you know? And I'm not, like, breaking news there. Like, they're really good. They're going to be better with Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart is going to up the physicality meter for them, right? He's going to be flopping all over the place and all the things that we know Marcus Smart to do. Um, and that's going to be good. I think actually the basketball gods are going to make sure that Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry never play in the same game in the series because it'll just be a game of flops and <laughs> that'll be it. But um, we got like,
2: out here like the English Premier League. But, but
3: like you know, like this this whole this whole thing about like Miami's like half court offense, I hear it um, and I agree with it. Like they've been sort of a mediocre half court offense, but people like act like they were ranked like thirtieth in half court offense. Like they were like eleventh or twelfth in half court offense during the regular season. Like they weren't terrible um and then everybody kind of has the caveat if they can't get out and transition like they don't they have to rely on their half-court offense well the whole thing like they have gotten out they do they do get out in transition they're the both the best transition scoring team in the nba in the regular season and in the playoffs so it's like okay like you wake me up when that stops happening i guess um so like that's just sort of the formula and that's what's so interesting about these playoffs in general everybody like i just there's not a perfect team in like I like it's so wide open any of these four teams can win the finals and at this point yeah that's a great point like Golden State has a bunch of weaknesses like I thought Golden State was going to lose to Memphis because they just couldn't stop John Morant and then John Morant got hurt Dallas like if if you know Reggie Bullock and Dorian finney Smith aren't making threes then forget it like they have no chance even with as great as Luka has been like they just have too much streaky shooting that they rely on like You know, Boston, everybody calls them such, like, a deep team with no weaknesses. Again, I'll remind everybody that Peyton Pritchard is on that roster and playing very important minutes for them. Um, You know, like, the Heat have their own weaknesses that we just talked about. So, I don't know. I I just, I'm not ready to make any conclusions after game one. It wouldn't shock me if the Warriors and the Heat won. It wouldn't shock me if the Mavericks and the Celtics met in the finals at this point. Like, I'm just not ready to make any big conclusions.
0: Adam, Pritchard did play, like, even though he was just kind of predated upon. Um, Pritchard did shoot the ball well. He still offered up 18 points in those 30 minutes. You can't anticipate him shooting like that and and being that kind of productive again. Obviously, you're getting Marcus Smart back, so that's going to help. You're not going to have Derek White in tonight's game. So the guard depth for Boston here, um, how, how do you make up the gap that was there, obviously losing, and then make up for the fact that, like, I don't think Pritchard... Will be able to, to shoot the way that he did again.
4: Sorry, I couldn't find your move. Um he's been Pritchard's been fairly reliable from deep. He's arguably the most well, the best three point shooter, not named mm-hmm. Jason Tatum on the team. But the defense is a huge issue. Like, um, as Wes alluded to, you know, you, you can just target Pritchard, force switches, keep running actions until you get him, and then just bully your way through. I think with Derek White out there really isn't another option than to give Pritchard substantial minutes again. He's proven that he can give you the offense. Like, you know, he's vastly improved at scoring off the dribble, like for his own shot. He can create space and he can penetrate, but for every two or three points he's giving you on the offensive end, he's just as susceptible to give them up on the defensive end. Uh, I just don't see another option for them. you could probably because pritchard generally plays like the two a lot of the time when Derek white and smart are both healthy so you could probably try and supplement those minutes with aaron neesmith just to give size but neesmith is just as bad on defense as what, <laughs> as what pritchard is and this is why i agree with what west says every team in left in the uh, conference finals now both east and west have issues for boston that's three-point shooting consistency um, being locked in for the 448 and their lack of depth outside of their top eight guys and Pritchard Pritchard's technically like number nine on that list and while I think like for where he was drafted being only a second year guard he's incredibly impactful f- for his young age and his limited size he still is a limited defender so unless they start scrambling him out of there and moving like looking at ways to hide him the same way that you would if it was Kemba Walker or if it was Isaiah Thomas if you're not looking to hide him that way then you're just going to have to live with the fact that Miami are going to hunt him when he's on the floor.
1: Aaron, yeah. A- A- Aaron, I wonder, and then we'll jump to Wes and, and Adam on this too. Looking at the four teams that are remaining now, how would you rank them one through four as we get through into game two now of, of, of each series?
2: Do you mean most likely to win the title or yeah. the best yeah, teams? Yeah,
1: most likely, you know, best teams, let's go with. Who do you have at one through four? Like, how, how do you have these teams ranked?
2: I think. Uh... I think the the Warriors are the most likely to win the title. But I think as far as the best teams, I think the Warriors and Boston are kind of a toss-up. And then I would put um, Miami third and then uh, the Mavs fourth. I I think the Mavs have – they may have the best player left. We can argue about – I don't think Tatum's there quite yet. We can argue – Jimmy Butler is playing as well as anybody in the playoffs. But if you're asking me who do I think the best player left in the playoffs is – it's Steph, but I'll listen to arguments about Luca, but I think the Mavs have more deficiencies than the other three teams. So I would put them fourth. Um, and because it seems like the Warriors are going to have an easier path to the finals, I will put them as the most likely title favorite. Vegas obviously agrees. Um, but I, I think it, I think it's close to a toss up. I think the Warriors are maybe slightly better than the Celtics, but I think that's kind of a toss up for the best team. And then I would put uh I would put the, the Heat clearly third and, and then uh, the Mavs clearly fourth.
0: Wes, what would it, what would it, well, I also want to ask Wes, what, what do you think it would take to get Jimmy Butler into that conversation for best player remaining? Because he's playing, I, I would argue, the best basketball of any player right now. So, like, what, what would it take for him to get in more sturdily involved in that in that conversation?
3: I, I don't know, man. I, it's There's this whole, like... I, I've talked about this before, but, like, Jimmy Butler, he's, he's old. He's got the Thibodeau miles. Like, there's, like, a narrative sort of baked into the Jimmy Butler conversation that is just so inescapable. He's also, you know, 32 years old. And it kind of felt like him and Tatum going into this year were, like, right there, like, just knocking on the door of being considered, like, a top 10 guy in the league. But because Tatum is 24 we're just more readily like uh, we're just ready to like kind of put him into that higher stratosphere, like that upper crust of NBA star. I'm not saying Tatum doesn't deserve it, but you know, his Jimmy Butler's play has just been, has been just as good as Tatum's arguably. And he just like, people are like, yeah, you know, he's kind of like the 12th best player in the league. Like still, you know, and it's like, all right, like, I guess he's not going to be, you know, like you're probably not going to draft him first if you're building a franchise around somebody. But like right now, it's hard to argue that he's not one of the best 10 guys in the league. I don't know. He, he doesn't shoot threes, and I think we've just gotten so accustomed to the star players in this league shooting threes. But if you think about what we thought of as you know a championship-level franchise player like in the past, before like the Steph Curry revolution, basically, it was a guy who could hit mid-range shots. It was a guy who can uh, attack mismatches and be a predator in that way. It was a guy who made an impact on the defensive end, um, and it was a guy who got his teammates involved. And Jimmy Butler, like, checks all of those boxes. The only thing he doesn't do is put up big numbers uh, from beyond the arc, you know? And, like, he doesn't put up big numbers in the regular season either. He's got five 40-point games in his Miami Heat career. All of them have come in the postseason. So um, I think that's also part of it too. But you just – you kind of just think about what Jimmy Butler is – He's impacting the game on every single possession in a way that I don't know that the two Western Conference stars do, right? Like, Luka on defense, it's, like, cool if he's trying. And then for Steph, like, he's gotten better, but he's not, like, a game-changer on that end. And Tatum is awesome defensively, but I would put, like, Jimmy Butler's playmaking over Jason Tatum's at this point. And so, like, I don't know. I don't don't really know why we don't consider Jimmy Butler. And I didn't consider Jimmy Butler this. Like, I was always like this. Like, yeah, he's probably just like a notch below like the franchise player who can lead you to a championship. And now I'm starting to like rethink my own thing. Like, was that just sort of an inherent bias that I had based on the baked in narrative that we have with the Jimmy Butler conversation? Or do we really have to look at this and be like, yeah, other than him not shooting like eight threes a game, I don't really know what he doesn't do well at this point. And uh, again, of all the stars like left in the the playoffs, like he's as well-rounded as they come. Right. Like when, it, when, when you're talking about making plays on the margins and on both ends of the court, like, I don't know that anybody does it as well as that he does, at least anybody who's left. So I don't know what it takes to change the narrative. Cause I think we all have to just sort of rethink what we thought previously of Jimmy Butler.
0: Yeah. I mean, he played 57 games this season and you know, I, I think it was, you, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think that was a you know that was that was something that Miami was doing to keep him as fresh as possible for these playoffs, right? Yeah, he so, had one real injury
3: during the playoffs or during the regular season. So
0: yeah, he yeah. didn't even
3: miss that much time.
0: So I so I think I think you know that's probably a factor here too. Not saying that like all the other guys here were were super available over the course of the season. It's just it is weird. I, I legit ask that question because I'm asking it of myself constantly. Like, what am I overlooking? When it comes to Jimmy Butler and what he's doing, this is now the second deep playoff run that he's had. We've already seen him drag an, uh, a, a pretty hobbled Miami Heat team to six games against the, the Lakers, that were, I thought, far and away the best team in the league that year. So, like, it's kind of crazy that, like, he, we, we've seen this before with him and and we've seen him kind of set cultures in, in other places leave and then watch those cultures kind of crumble once he leaves too i get, i don't i'm not really positive what what goes into the stardom and the the conversation around superstardom and why he isn't involved more in it jazz do you have any 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 theory on that because i'm i'm picking my brain i'm coming up short
1: well, when you look at him, and, and I had Wes on, on a podcast with me on, on the Liberty Ballers podcast, and we were kind of discussing this, that like he's saying, uh, you know, watching him play, he doesn't have this game that he lights it up from the three point line, or that he, you know, he has all these highlight reel plays. He's just—I uh, wasn't going to swear, but just an effing good player. And when <laughs> when you when you look at him play, the way he carries himself, the way he is—I love Jimmy's personality. I always have, but it's just the way he's been. Um, his game is like I said. He he'll he gets these rough and and tough baskets where he, he's getting into the paint and shooting these shots that we almost thought weren't good. You know, for the last four or five years. So I think he he'll end up getting his respect as time goes on. I, I think that the way he's do what he's doing now, and like you mentioned, the bubble there, Anthony. Of course, you had to mention. The Lakers being the best team at some point because that's just what you do. But um, looking at look, <laughs> hey, it look, happened
0: man. once upon a time, man. I have to, <laughs> I have to enjoy the one time. Hey, yeah, happened.
1: you have to add that in. But um, you know, sw- switching. I, I don't want to switch gears because I know Adam Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog's got to go. But Adam, I wanted to ask you this too. When you look at the Tatum Butler thing, like how much? Where do you? How close do you have those two in, in your pecking
4: order there? For this season, um, I think if we're talking about best player left in the playoffs right now, I think Butler wins that battle simply because he's been super consistent from opening uh, the opening game of the playoffs. He's been, you know, he's, he's literally manning the fort and really carrying them offensively, whereas Tatum's been susceptible to what we saw in that second half of the game against Miami, where he can be... Ridiculously hot for two quarters and then just got ice cold and make some really costly mistakes. He's still young, he's still developing. Uh, overall, I still think, you know, age does play a factor with my kind of evaluation because Tatum's 24, he's still got room to improve. And I think long term, he is the better player um, than what Jimmy's, you know, if we're talking about Tatum in his prime versus Jimmy in his prime, then Tatum's going to be the better player for this series. I think Jimmy has the edge slightly just because he's so well-rounded. Other than that three-point shot not really being there or not really having the, comf- I wouldn't even say confidence, just not really feeling the need to shoot threes. He I do, he doesn't really have a weakness, whereas Tatum's is, you know, he's not always locked in. He spends too much time arguing with the refs. That's a lack of maturity, in my opinion. Um, so,
0: yeah, I think Jimmy Jimmy edges that battle right now. Kirk, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you were able to make it here. Uh, we're kind of split. I'm of the opinion that I think this thing is over. Aaron thinks this is over. Wes thinks that uh, Luca and, and the Mavs have a punch left to be thrown here. Wait,
2: wait, 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 wait. I think what? I think it's over that the Mavs are not going to win the series. Yeah. I don't think. I don't think game one is how it's going to look for the rest of the time. I think oh, the Mavs yeah. have a lot of room back and can make it competitive. I just don't think they'll get there in the end.
0: And you, you don't cower out here, Kirk's here. You can just No, say they're not, the Mavs say are not like... winning the series. The Mavs are not winning the
2: series. The Mavs are not winning the series. But it's not because game 1 was such a deluge that the Mavs have no chance. The Mavs weren't going to win the series anyway. The Mavs are not winning the series because they have to win 4 times out of 6. Uh,
0: Kirk, do you do you think do you think the Mavs have a shot in this series still?
5: I mean, my prognostication skills are off because the Mavs went down 0-2 to the, to the Suns, and I finally conceded a three-year talking point with my wife and agreed to get a puppy like a moron. And now I'm, <laughs> now I'm, like, I'm, watching, I'm watching basketball till the middle of the night and then getting up with a dog in the middle of the night. So part of me wants to be put out of my misery and just be able to go to <laughs> sleep for one thing. But, I mean, it got, it, they, they got down 0-2 to the Suns, and they won four out of five. So weirder things have happened, but I think with how the Warriors attack, um, particularly the pace, like I, I don't really worry about the Mavericks' offense. Like all the the silliness about I, I went on the radio today and a Warriors station. It's like, yeah, Andrew Wiggins, Luca Stopper, and I'm like, are we, are we really doing this? Like they played unbelievable team defense on him. Unbelievable. It's not. It's an effort. It's not like one guy. But what was concerning for me about that was the first quarter the Warriors were running. Wiggins got a leak out. Steph went coast to coast a couple of times. There was some, like, sloppiness that seemed to be pushed by both the pace and the fact that the Warriors play, like, just their motion offense. Very different from anything the Mavericks have guarded in, like, three months. So I, I-, I think that the Mavericks will counterpunch eventually, but then it becomes a question of how much time do you have to really correct these errors? Can you correct four of six? Like-, like like you said, it's it's – I don't know. I, I'm I'm looking forward to better basketball because it was actually really fun up until halftime, and then those first two turnovers out of the out of the half, then the game was over.
0: Yeah, it's it, I just it's just so difficult for me to to watch the Warriors play the way that they did and not harken immediately back to when they were really like the 73 team Warriors, even though they went out and blew a three one lead, um, and then I I don't think they're nearly as good as the KD Warriors, but. It just and, and Wes, like you can you can speak to this as, as well as anybody um, having covered that team and then now going to Miami here uh, but it's just they, they they're just so overwhelming when they look at their best and um, I don't know that Luca is at LeBron's level so if you if you allow the Warriors defense to kind of zone in on heliocentric offense it just really makes me nervous about that offense's ability over the course of the series. And I, I just don't know that, that there are too many adjustments to be made or enough adjustments to be made that make this series particularly competitive. I, I, I don't know, though. Um, I, I, Kirk, I want to stay on you, though, here. We were just talking about Jimmy Butler and his, and his like kind of spot in the best player in, remaining in the playoffs conversation. Lucas seems to be kind of the most pervasive name, uh, that is sits that sits on top of the of, of those rankings. Um, how seriously do you take Jimmy Butler, seeing as like he seems to be almost the anti Luca, where where the, the the defense and the physicality in those things is what I think of with with Jimmy, and Luca is is kind of the opposite of that, and yet Jimmy seems to be insanely uh, productive throughout these postseasons and in multiple postseasons so like well where do you put jimmy or where do you rank all of the remaining stars left in these series
5: well i, I DM'd you this because when you guys were talking about jimmy jimmy is like the ultimate 16 game player he's probably the single most annoying co-worker over an 82 game season because he's just <laughs> ah all the time
0: i can't uh, relate that, i I, but, I know exactly what that is <laughs> right
5: but, you, I, I just described harrison fagan um, and, <laughs> and now it's it's like this is the opportunity for that intensity. You want it turned up all the time because every, and and like last night was a really good example of where Luke is definitely 23 years old because Andrew Wiggins scraped him across the face because he had that hilarious scar, even StatMuse put it in. But that that phased him, like that sort of physicality Bothered him. It it irritated him in a way where he didn't channel it into better basketball. He channeled it into just being frustration and poor poor body language. So, Lucas still got a ways to go right there. But it's like in any given game, Lucas is a pretty terrifying player. But if we're talking like just sheer consistency for the for the playoffs, I think it's 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 got to be it's got to be Butler.
3: Yeah, I've, I've 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 called Jimmy Butler like in a vacuum. Like, when we're talking about the Stars, he's probably the fourth behind Luka, Tatum, and Steph in, like, whatever order you want to put those guys in. But, I like, so he's not the best player in the league, but Jimmy Butler is, like, the best gamer in the league. Like, he just, like, shows up. Um, And it's just pretty wild. Like, he did it against, you know, your Lakers, Anthony, in the the bubble. Like, he did it with LeBron. Like, he went toe-to-toe with LeBron. Um, You know, it was just, like, the Lakers' other players just overwhelmed the heat in that series. And then um, he's done it time and time again. It's just it's pretty remarkable how he just turns it up in the playoffs when he has to. And it's sort of been the the talking point among media here in Miami. You know, Spolster just keeps getting asked about this. Is like, you know, can you explain what it is that that Jimmy does like from the regular season in the playoffs? And it's like Eric Spolster's like favorite question because it's just his opportunity to like lay out every spoism and cliche that he loves to just put in every single answer. He just gets to put them all into like packaged in one big question. So um, but that's like the only answer you can provide is like competitiveness and, you know, fire and, you know, loves to go to war with these guys and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, all right, I really, nobody knows what any of this stuff means. Nobody can really explain it. We just know that it's happening. And I think that's still why we have a hard time defining Jimmy Butler and um, kind of measuring what level of star that he is, is because it is a little unexplainable. But at some point we have to stop like worrying about explaining it and just like look at the results and it's like, okay, he's been doing it. He's still doing it. Um, we kind of just have to admit that
0: he's just doing this.
5: Yeah, he, he's the angry Bob from Cool Runnings. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if yeah, I think the key the key here for Luca then is to not drink the beer and drink Jimmy Butler's coffee. Like that's if he wants to take the lid.
5: Anthony, I'm glad you brought this up because I really wanted the Mavericks to win if only because we would have been, and granted he didn't actually drink beer yesterday but it's just like this is how bs legends are made where it's like oh yeah luca went and had an afternoon beer and dropped a triple double like that would have been really fun and now i don't get it i mean it's getting to the point with luca because he's so just like naturally gifted where i am worried if the mavericks win the title he's just going to show up into to camp next year weighing like 350 pounds because he he learned precisely nothing from because he showed up to camp out of shape and played himself into shape and then made it to the Western Conference Finals. Like Hold on.
2: Kirk, you might be onto something here because I, I, now I might be rooting for the Mavs because I think we need all of the Luca at the parade, the championship parade content. <laughs> oh I think oh we need goodness. all of this. Luca with his Luca with his shirt off. I, I think we need all on a float. I think we need all of this.
5: My my take this year is that he's basketball Rob Gronkowski. He, he is, yeah. is, is kind of his jam And I just need more He's just spiking
0: Jalen Brunson
5: oh, 100%, 100% <laughs> And it, it, like, I heard someone, I was listening to a Ringer podcast Where it's like, I wonder what kind of beer guy he is I'm like, this is a guy who came from Europe He's been drinking since he was like 12, what are we doing?
2: I need, I need Luca at the parade On a float or at the, in a convertible With the hookah going In the car, drinking like Goldschlager Straight from the bottle With his shirt <laughs> off, doughy, I need all of it
0: I'm, you know what?
2: I'm i I'm i I'm rooting for the maps.
0: David, David Getta just playing for everybody to hear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> w- Wes, I wanted to ask you this, and, and and Aaron, I'll get your opinion on this too. Okay, this has something to do with a player who's not even in the playoffs at this point. But hypothetically speaking, the dubs win the title. How much does that impact Kevin Durant's legacy? Because I was thinking about this too. I'm like, okay, they won without him in, in 15. Obviously, we had the, the 73 and 9 team choke in the in the finals in 16. They were dominant, as Anthony mentioned. They were so good with him in 17 and 18 and then 19. But when you look at at, at Kevin Durant, like, if the Warriors do this, how much does that impact his legacy? And do you think that motivates him more to try and get the job done next season?
3: Well, I think it definitely impacts the legacy, right? Because you have a before, you have an after – and the Warriors won before and after and during. So you're almost like, well, what did Kevin Durant even really do? You know, like, which is a stupid question to ask. But, like, 50 years from now, it could look like that. I don't know. Um, as far as whether or not that would... Oh, hey, we now welcome Kevin Durant to the spaces. Hey, Kevin, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that he's the only person that can answer this, because I have, like, I've covered him for a few years. I have no idea if he would care. I don't. Like, I just... I don't know that he would even notice. Like, I'm not even like really sure. Like, I just have no idea what that guy cares about. I'm not like one of these people that said he shouldn't have left the Warriors. I actually like, like being around that team, it was just, it was so weird. It just felt like somebody needed a workplace environment change and it had to be him um, because he just rightly or wrongly didn't feel welcome. And he always kind of blames the media for it, which I kind of don't agree with, but I also sort of agree with, uh, but whatever the reason was, Um, he just wanted his own thing. And so you can't really blame him for leaving, but you know, I don't, I think we focus too much on the, him leaving the warriors part and not enough on, you know, him kind of screwing up the new job. Right. Like he kind of like it, it, he was, he was good enough to win a championship elsewhere. Right. He just sort of hitched his wagon to the wrong player. Like he kind of, and, and kind of went about it the wrong way in trying to basically overtake the Brooklyn nets and make it his team and his organization. Like, he could have won championships elsewhere. I just think he went about it the wrong way. So it's not necessarily leaving the Warriors. It's just like the mistakes he's made since then.
2: Aaron, what's I don't, your take on that? Yeah, I don't I – don't, I agree with Wes kind of. I, I don't think any of us I, – I don't think there's more than like two or three people on planet Earth, and one of them is KD himself, that have any idea what is in KD's head, what makes him tick. So I think it's less as, – as far as legacy conversations, I think it's less about KD and more about Steph. Um, and yeah. even to a, and a, to a lesser extent, a little bit about Draymond because Draymond famously said, you know, when he called him a bitch at, at um, uh, at Staples center playing the Clippers and, you know, maybe that was part of the re Katie was leaving anyway, but maybe that was part of the impetus behind KD leaving. He famously said like, you know, fuck you. We don't need you. We won before you. We'll win after you. Um, and especially because Steph has not won a finals MVP, if the Warriors win this year, I think that it means more. I think it's more of a Feather and Steph's legacy cap than it is to a demerit in in KD's. What if Jordan uh, Poole wins Finals MVP though? Then what happens? <laughs> <laughs>
3: then hey, I, well, you know
0: what? Maybe may, maybe the corpse I of Andre to the Iguodala is a piece of just sheer light. Like that's <laughs> I, that's how that may, goes. maybe
2: maybe the corpse of Andre Iguodala uh, wins it again. <laughs> um, I you know what? I mean, I look if the Warriors win uh the final Steph is going to win finals mvp but even if he doesn't i think it's still kind of like because there's the argument there was the back and forth like steph was the best player on that team that won their first title he didn't win finals mvp but he was their best player and then there's the argument back and forth about who was the best player when kd was there when steph was there who was the best player kd won finals mvp twice so a lot of people would give it to to kd my opinion is that KD got space because of Steph, as great as KD is. Even even he was given space because of Steph. So even if Steph doesn't win finals MVP this year, if the Warriors win, which he in all likelihood will uh, or would, I think it really does something for for Steph's legacy. Like, okay, y- y'all were saying that KD was the best player? Okay, well, he went to his own situation and couldn't do anything. I agree with you, Wes. He's good enough to win to win a finals but the facts are he hasn't he hasn't won one without right like kobe's a great player kobe was fantastic but kobe didn't win without shaq kobe didn't win without Pau gasol shaq was fantastic he didn't win without d wade he didn't win without kobe so i think that it does more for steph's legacy than it is a demerit for kd's legacy but I think it's I think it's time to have some real if the Warriors win this year. I think it's time to have some real all-time conversations about Steph Curry.
0: all right. Well, on that note, because I can't even picture like the it's hard enough to talk to Adam about like the Celtics potentially moving on. It's really difficult to think about a Bay team winning. So I've said enough nice things about all these other teams. I'm going to go back to to putting Russell Westbrook into the trade machine for the (laughs) 757th time. Um, I want to thank Aaron for hopping on here, Jazz for hopping on here, Wes, Adam, Kirk for hopping on. I want to thank all of you guys for tuning in the way that you guys did. And uh, we're going to keep doing these things over the course of both the conference finals and then heading into the actual finals. So keep an eye and an ear out for it. I'm Anthony Irwin. We'll talk to you guys next time.